0: I'd like you to open your Bible, if you have one, over to Psalm 51. As we continue the series, Secure Forever, and uh, this is the 11th, I guess you call them installments or message in the series, based on the book, Secure Forever. So this this is more expanded. The book has more quotes and so forth in it. I would recommend it. We do have that in our resource center. If you'd like to get a copy of that, or you can get that on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Uh, any of those places there's a couple software packages as well that have that free actually it won't cost you a dime so uh, you can let me know uh, if you're interested in that and i can point you in the right direction but uh, in this series secure forever we've been talking about is it based on god's promise or is it based on our persevering and serving the lord faithfully to the end well if you just look at it in common sense if you're a believer you understand now wait a minute I'm going to fail. So if it's based on me being faithful, serving the Lord to the end, I could never make it. I could never know because there's a very good chance, and friend, it's more than a chance, it's a fact, that you are going to fail in that. But see, that's why Jesus came, because we are failures. Jesus came to die, and he made the payment for the sin that we have committed, are committing, will commit And he paid it all when he died on the cross. He said it was paid in full. It is finished. And he died and came back from the dead three days later. And the Bible says all who put their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ and him alone, he gives them eternal life. He says, you'll never perish. Neither shall any man pluck you out of my hand. He says, he that believeth on me has everlasting life. He says that the believer will not come into condemnation, but has passed, has passed. Perfect tense has passed from death unto life. And so when you trust Christ, you are eternally secure. Now, uh, that doesn't mean you're going to live the way you should automatically, because that is a choice, just like you had a choice whether you were going to put your faith in Christ or not. And so we've been talking about the danger of the teaching of the perseverance of the saints, because it is, as we've already seen, it is a false teaching that is very popular today and continues to grow. But you see, now you might say, why is it it false? Well, this is the third reason we're covering today. One of many, by the way. We won't cover, uh, there's a lot more, but we're covering mainly three. The false teaching of the perseverance of the saints contradicts the biblical teaching of the two natures of the believer. It contradicts the biblical teaching of the two natures of the believer. Now, you may not know what that is, and that's okay, because it's something that we need to learn I thank God that when I got saved, I was in a ministry that understood this and was able to teach it to me to where I understood, hey, you know what? Yes, I'm saved. I'm born again, but I do still sin in my life. Why am I still sinning if I'm a Christian? Why am I still sinning? Well, you know, there's a biblical reason for that. The Bible tells us, Few people understand the biblical teaching of the two natures to begin with, and a misunderstanding of this causes all kinds of contradictions in the Christian life and also in our beliefs. Now, so I want to cover the truth of this today, and I hope it'll make sense to you, especially if you are saved, especially if you're wanting to live for the Lord, but it seems like you're failing. You know because you're an honest person. You know you're still sinning. You know you're still doing things wrong. So you wonder, okay, am I saved or not? Am I saved or not? Well, let's look at this. Here's the truth. Number one, we are all born with a sin nature. Okay, we are all born with a sin nature. Psalm 51, David is writing, and he says in Psalm 51 verse 5, He says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, the act of conception was not a sin, but the fact that when mom and dad came together and new life was born, that new life had within it, that child had within it, a sin nature. When we are born into the world, we are conceived in sin with a sin nature. This sin nature has the capacity to do evil to sin. Everybody's got one, even those precious little babies that are born. It may not be manifested yet, but it will manifest itself. Now, some more than others, but it's there. Make no mistake about it. The sin nature is in complete rebellion against God. The sin nature does not truly want the things of God. Now, the sin nature may want to be religious, but it doesn't want to be biblical. It doesn't want to follow the biblical pattern. Sometimes it can be very subtle and sometimes it can in fact be very, can I use the term? Vicious, vicious. All the stuff we've been seeing lately, all the stuff we saw just on, on Friday and, and with, the, with this, this killing of, of all these innocent people at the synagogue there and all that, that's just vicious. That's just evil. Where does that come from? It comes from the sin nature in man. Man. Not everybody is going to necessarily do those kind of things, but everybody does evil, everyone sins. Look with me to Romans chapter five, verse 12. So we see this is what something we get when we are conceived, and this is something that is passed down from Adam and Eve. Romans five, verse 12, it says, "'Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, "'sin entered into the world, and death by sin,' And so death passed upon all men. Why? For that all have sinned. We're all sinners. We all do things wrong. That's why we have the trouble that we have in the world today. Now, let let me say this today. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We have a sin nature in us. Now, yes, we are sinners by nature, and because we're sinners by nature, yes, we are sinners by choice. So we do choose to do evil. We do choose to do bad things. And the truth of it is, we cannot go to heaven the way we are. Now, this is where this really starts to develop and makes a lot of sense, necessary sense, because God makes it very clear in his word, friends, listen carefully, that no matter how hard you try to fix the old man, no matter how hard you try to fix the old nature, no matter how hard you try to make it look good, to make it behave itself, to all these kind of things, we cannot go to heaven the way we are. The Bible tells us, number two, we need to be born again. We need to be born again. Now go with me to John chapter three. And when we are born again, with this comes a new nature. God gives us a new nature when we are born again. John chapter three, you know the story, Nicodemus. Now Nicodemus was a very religious man. He was a Pharisee. By human standards, he was a good man, but he needed a new birth to get to heaven because he could not get there the way he was, even though he was somebody who was very conscious about keeping the commandments and doing good and behaving himself and and following the law and all these kind of things, believed in good works. Jesus, though, is very clear with him. John 3, 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with them. Jesus didn't say, you know, Nick, you're right. Let me tell you about the miracles. No, you know what he does? The Lord in kindness and grace goes right for the jugular, right to where this man's need was. And he says in verse three, Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nick, no matter how, whatever your credentials are as a Pharisee, no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you behave, you have to be born again if you're going to see the kingdom. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? (laughs) Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Man, that would really be labor, wouldn't it, huh? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now there's people who believe that the water there has to do with the Word of God and so forth. I personally believe in the context. I think it's pointing to the fact of when, when children come into the wor- world, they're in a water sack, and that water sack breaks, and then the child is born. It's a flesh birth. Jesus here in this context is making a distinction between the flesh birth and the spiritual birth, okay? By the way, where he says a man must be born again, that word again is actually, it, it's a Greek word anathan is the word, and it means from above. You have to have a spiritual birth that comes from above. Now, it is a second birth because it's not the first birth. It's something after the first one. So in a sense, it is a second one in the sense that we use the word again. When we say, "Oh, here we go again, that means whatever it was happened before. All right. So it is a second birth, but to be born again, literally means born from above. So there needs to be a spiritual birth. Jesus said, you have to be born of water. I believe that's physical birth and of the spirit. That's a spiritual birth. If you aren't, you, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So to be born again is to be born from above. Nicodemus needed a second birth from above. That was a spiritual birth by nature. It wasn't a listen. It wasn't a reformation of the old nature. It wasn't, well, God, I'll clean myself up, therefore you will accept me. No, no matter how hard you try, God will not accept us because we are sinners, we are flawed, we are guilty, we are condemned. You have to have a new birth, a totally new birth. This new birth, which could only come as a gift of God's grace, would result in God giving him a new nature. Verse six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Notice the contrast between the old nature and the new nature. The old birth, the first birth, and the second birth. One nature is natural and the other is spiritual. Listen, the two are absolutely and completely separate. All right? Now look up here. Let me illustrate today. If this arm represents the natural birth, everybody born into the world has this. It's your old nature, your sin nature, the natural man, okay? This is what we have. No matter what you do to this, it cannot qualify you for heaven. That's why you're not saved by works. You're not saved by good deeds. You need a second birth, okay? A new nature, born from above. We have to have a new birth, all right? So when you trust Christ as your Savior, very important, when you trust Christ as your Savior, by the way, that's how you get the new birth God gives you a new nature. Look down to verse 16. For God so loved the world, here's Jesus telling Nicodemus how to be born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me illustrate this for you today. If this hand were to represent you and me, we're going to let my wallet here represent sin. God says, Here we are, we are all sinners. The Bible tells us God loves us. God hates our sin, but he loves us. Sin separates us from God. And God says, because we've sinned, our sin has to be paid for, the wages of sin being death. If we were to pay for our own sin, we'd spend eternity separated from God in a literal hell. One preacher I heard recently, and he was right, he said, in a literal fire-burning hell, yes, I know people don't like that today, but that is what the Bible teaches. See, heaven's a perfect place. For you to get in, you have to be sinless. That's why we have to be born again, because the old man, it's a sin nature, okay? It's all we have. No matter how hard you dress it up or try to stop or reform or start or whatever, no, you need to be born again. Now, to get to heaven, our sin has to be gone. If we try to do it, God says, wait, the only payment for sin is death be separation from God for all eternity. God says, because there's nothing you could do to save yourself, you see your good works can't take it away because the wages of sin is death, not good works, not faithfulness, not commitment, not forsaking, not starting, not stopping. No, the wages of sin is death. Death is the only payment God will accept. If we do it, we'll be lost forever. God so loved us that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world, God in the flesh, sinless, And when Jesus went to the cross, all of our sin that we've done or ever will do wrong, he took it upon himself. He made the complete payment, leaving us nothing left to pay for. He rose from the grave and he says this, if you will believe that he has paid for all of your sin, if you'll put your faith in him that he paid for your sin, he will give you everlasting life. Is that not exactly what Jesus says in verse 16? For God so loved the world, look up here, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When you trust Christ, he gives you everlasting life. You're born again. This is what we come into the world with, not equipped to get to heaven. We'll never make it. God says, no, if you're going to see the kingdom, if you're going to enter the kingdom, you have to be born again. You need a new birth. Now, Upon hearing this, Nicodemus believed in Christ as a savior. He received everlasting life. He was born again. And when he did, he received a new nature. Why? Because he was born again. This new nature, listen carefully now. We're wading out into the water, all right? We've been on the beach. Now we're wading out into the water. This new nature is perfect because it is born of God. It's the seed of God. And by nature, it cannot sin, this new nature. All right? Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And now we're getting into the water here. And now we're getting into, unfortunately today, controversial waters, you might say. They don't need to be controversial if you understand how all this goes together. This is one of the most misinterpreted, I believe, Bible verses in all the New Testament. Study Bible after study Bible, commentary after commentary. Now, they're not all this way, but a lot of them are this way. Mess up when it comes to this verse because they do not understand the teaching of the two natures of the believer. And I'm going to expand on this because you need to understand it. 1 John 3, 9, it says, whosoever is born of God. Look up here. Which of these is born of God? This one? No, this one. Yes, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin for his seed God's seed remaineth in him he cannot sin because he's born of God God's seed cannot sin it is born of God the only desires and characteristics of the new man are godly desires righteous desires that which is right why because it's God's seed it's born of God Now, by the way, that doesn't mean we become little gods like the cults teach, no. But God gives us a new nature that is born of him and that is a perfect nature. However, here's the key. You notice I'm up here and when I talk about here we are as lost, we trust Christ the Savior, God gives us a new nature. Did you notice that I didn't say, now the old nature goes away? This is where the rubber meets the road today. Because there's a lot of people who believe that when you get saved, the old nature goes away and it no longer exists. Now you might say, wait a minute. If all I have is a new nature and I still sin, then I must not be saved. Because if it's born of God, it doesn't sin and I'm still sinning, therefore I must not have a new nature. No, here's the problem. You still have your old nature. But the bondage of the old nature has been broken and you have a new nature as a believer. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that when we get saved, the old nature goes away or is eradicated. Now, it's being taught today. This is where there's a lot of wrong teaching and misunderstanding. The old nature does not cease to exist when the believer receives a new nature. Let me say it again. The old nature does not cease to exist when the believer receives a new nature. And the old nature, listen, The old nature never gets better. This may be a new concept to some, but I want you to understand it. This old nature never gets better. There's not a verse in the Bible that says it improves. What the Bible says is if you've trusted Christ, God has given you a new nature. And now your life can improve if you live according to your new nature as a believer. See, this reality of the two natures is a critical key to understanding ourselves and the sin we commit after we are believers. Now, hopefully, none of us here today say, well, I don't sin anymore. Now that I'm a Christian, I don't sin anymore. Well, friend, guess what? You're self-deceived, and that in itself is a sin because you're deceiving yourself. John said in 1 John If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's written to believers, okay? Now, this reality of the two natures is a critical key to understanding ourselves and the sin we commit after we become believers. Many Christians have questioned whether they're saved or not because of a misunderstanding of the two natures. And you'll hear people quote 2 Corinthians 5, 17. They'll say, wait a minute, preacher, you're off. Because the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Friend, what are you saying? Are you saying that your old life and the sin you committed, you don't do that anymore? Well, hopefully you don't. But are you saying that you don't do any of that anymore? You're not being honest. You do. Well, I don't, it's not, no, 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 wait a minute. Do you or don't you still sin? once you're saved. Yes, you do. If you still sin, where's that sin coming from? The new nature? No, 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 no. It's born of God. It cannot sin. And by the way, I know people say, well, 1 John there, where it says, whosoever is born of God cannot sin that's and it's a misunderstanding of the present tense and degree. that's it's present tense now listen friend present tense does not as a lot of your study bibles now are saying well it will not practice sin or will not continue to sin and all these kind of things listen the truth of it is and i'll prove it to you before the end of this message we all practice sin we all continue to sin no present tense you know what that means Present tense means this. It is true no matter when you look at that fact. It is a true fact. In other words, whosoever is born of God will not sin, does not sin. Now, why? Because it's talking about the new nature does not sin. And that is a fact. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, our King James Bible says. Well, that word commit means to practice. No, it doesn't. Well, that's present tense. It means... It does not commit sin. Whosoever is born of God, and by the way, could be translated whatsoever. I'm fine with whosoever though, does not commit sin. When does not commit sin? Now, an hour from now, the next day, the next day, for the rest of your life, does not commit sin. That's present tense. Whenever you look at that truth, it's true. That's present tense. That's present tense. It doesn't mean practice. I'm going to show that to you in a few minutes. God has a specific word for the word practice. It's the word proso. That is not what's used in 1 John. It's the word poeo, single act. Proso means to practice. It even sounds like practice, doesn't it? But what about this 2 Corinthians five seventeen? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In the context, very clearly in the context, it's talking about our new position in Christ. When you get saved, you have a new position in Christ. Old things are passed away. In other words, before you were saved, you're a child of the devil. Now that you're saved, you're a child of God. Before you were saved, you were spiritually dead. Now that you're saved, you're spiritually alive. Before you were saved, you were under condemnation. Now that you're saved, you have justification. Before you were saved, I mean, you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with this. That's what it's talking about. It's not saying, listen, now that you're saved, everything is going to change in your life automatically. The truth of it is, if you're honest, you know it's not true. I said, well, it has in my, in, in my life, it has. Okay, are you married? Ask your spouse. Let's move on. Number three. While it is true that the bondage of the old nature is broken when we believe it is still in existence, and it's going to be with us until the day we die the old nature is still there. That is where sin comes from in the Christian's life. It's not a good thing. It's never been a good thing for us to sin. This is not any kind of a license. God does not want us to use our freedom in Christ to sin. He wants us to use our freedom to live for him. Very clearly, friends, don't think. Now listen, the Bible's clear. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Freedom. Only use not liberty, and by the way, who's he talking to? Brethren, that means people who now have the new nature. Brethren, you've been called unto liberty, only use not liberty as an an occasion to the flesh, but by love, serve one another. So don't use your freedom in Christ to go sin, use your freedom in Christ to live for Christ, according to your new man. Do you see it? I hope you see it. I hope you see it. This, because of this fact that we still have the old nature, yes, the bondage of it has been broken, but we can still go under the authority of the old nature. Read Romans 6 sometimes. It couldn't be any clearer than that. Are you going to yield to the flesh, and as a result, reap the results of that, or are you going to yield to the spirit, and as a result, reap the results of that? See, this is why Christians can and do still sin, but we are exhorted by God not to sin once were saved. Therefore, if the sin nature hasn't changed or improved, listen, this is shocking to some, but here's the truth of it in light of Scripture. If the sin nature hasn't changed or improved, and it hasn't, then the believer is capable of committing the same sins that he did before he was saved. If he chooses to live under the dominion, but he should not choose to live under the dominion he doesn't have to live under the dominion because god gave him a new nature to live by through the power of the holy spirit and so he can have victory over the old man and that's the desire of god but or he can say okay i'm going to do that you know people say oh no you can't live the way you did before you were saved now wait a minute every time we sin we live the way we did before we were saved Well, no, you you can't tell me that. You know, if you're an alcoholic before you're saved, once you're saved, you can't be an alcoholic. (laughs) You are living with your head in the sand. Yes, you can. Should you? No. Has God given us by his grace provision to get victory over that kind of lifestyle? Yes. But it's a choice. It's a choice. Now, listen, listen. You shouldn't live according to the old man, but you can. Now, this issue of the two natures is a very big deal today. There are many today, though, who deny the two natures of the believer. Now, let me give you an example. And again, you know through this series, I've mentioned different people at different times. I have no ax to grind with individuals personally. I don't know them personally. But I do know if they're teaching something that's confusing and not right. Here's an example. Uh, As a matter of fact, John MacArthur He states this concerning the issue of the two natures. I believe, he quote, this is a quote, I believe it is a serious misunderstanding to think of the believer as having both an old and new nature. Believers do not have dual personalities. I'm still quoting, there is no such thing as the old nature in the believer. No such thing. See, this is why this this spills over into teaching such as if you're living like you did before you were saved, you're not saved. However, everybody to some extent lives like they did before they were saved because we still sin. Keep listening, please. In his commentary on Ephesians, he states this. The new nature is not added to the old nature, but replaces it. Now look up here. Here's the old nature. Here's the new nature. The new nature is not added to the old nature, but replaces it. Now look up here. This is all that's left according to that. Now friend, if this is all there is, then the truth of it is, if you're still sinning, you've never been saved. This is all you have. Because he says it replaces it. It just doesn't work. It just does not work. The transformed person is a completely new I. I'm still quoting. In contrast to the former love of evil, that new self, the deepest, truest part of the Christian, now loves the law of God. Which one of these loves the law of God? The new nature. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're saved and you have, well, if you're saved, you do have a new nature. That is what can respond properly to the Lord, to our heavenly father, because we're born of God. I'm still quoting that new self, the deepest, truest part of the Christian now loves the law of God, longs to fulfill its righteous demands, hates sin and longs for deliverance from the unredeemed flesh, which is the house of the eternal new creation until Glorification. He continues. It is not a remaining old nature. Now, listen carefully. It is not a remaining old nature, but the remaining garment of sinful flesh that causes Christians to sin. A garment, I'm throwing this in, a garment of sinful flesh. Now, listen, friends, let me just say this. Again, no axe to grind personally. That is nowhere found in the Word of God. That is a created doctrine to try to accommodate the idea, the false idea that there's no old nature. Because it's a logical question, are we thinking today? If you're born into the world with a sin nature, and you get saved and God gives you a new nature, but wait a minute, if you don't have both, and this is all you have, then where is the sin coming from? Oh, it's a a garment, A remaining garment of sinful flesh. What in the world? Where is that found in scripture? It's nowhere found in scripture. Sin is sin. And it comes from the old man. He says this, the Christian is a single new person, a totally new creation, not a spiritual schizophrenic. All right, unquote. Now let me just share this, say this for sake of argument. The term a spiritual schizophrenic is a straw man. It is creating something that does not exist. We are not saying a Christian is a spiritual schizophrenic. What we are saying is this. We're born into the world with a sin nature. When we get saved, God gives us a new nature. And there's not a verse in the Bible that says the old nature was eradicated. See, this thinking makes it very convenient for someone to claim a person is not saved because of his or her performance. Now again, I'm repeating myself. Should a Christian live his life for Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Absolutely. We preach that in this church. As a matter of fact, we have had saved people over the years leave our church because they wanted, to use, they wanted to use their salvation, their freedom in Christ, their liberty as a license to sin. And we said, that is against the word of God. But the fact that they could proves that they still had a sin nature. And yet these people were saved. Now I know people say, well, they're just saying they're saved. Well, why should I believe you if you tell me you're saved? Listen, I'm pleading for clarity on this today. We need to understand this. If our sinning doesn't come from an old nature, then where does the sin in the Christian life come from? From the new nature? No, don't say a garment of sinful flesh. There's no term in the Bible as that. Sin in the Christian life must have something as its source, and it certainly isn't the new nature which has been born of God. Now, let me give you a practical aspect to this. If what he's saying is true, and not just him, if those who believe that, if that is true, every church would be completely spiritual and perfect if the sin nature ceased to exist when we believed in Christ, okay? Remember, there is no such thing as this garment, It's not in the bible so if that's not in the bible then where's sin coming from well if it's not coming from our old nature because that was eradicated then all we're going to do is what's right but we don't do what's right churches would have perfect harmony and would be a perfect testimony to the world as they should be what a world it would be if once we were saved we we automatically did everything right i'm telling you life in a local church would be totally different Listen, our Bible colleges and seminaries could not accommodate the number of young men going into the ministry if once we were saved, everything was hunky-dory. Who is hunky-dory anyway? I... <laughs> but you know what, folks? People in ministry, pastors are dropping like flies. Do you know why? Because these men, godly men, are going into churches with expectations and so many churches have people in them. Who are not living according to the new man, they're living according to their old man, and that soon becomes a nightmare existence for that young couple, or older couple, who wants to have a godly, Christ-honoring church. Everything would be right. Now, very quickly, number four, there is a battle between the old and new nature, the old and new. Look with me to Galatians chapter five, Galatians chapter five, very quickly, Galatians five in verse 16 Paul writes this. He says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of what? The flesh. That's another name for the old man. For the flesh lusteth or wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary, the one to the other. Look what it says. So that ye, he's talking to believers in the churches of Galatia, these are saints. These are believers. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would, look up here. Through the new man, the Holy Spirit is willing to battle for us. Here's the old man, here's the new man, for the flesh, lust, wars against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But by the Holy Spirit and by His power, we can do the things that we should. And we're going to see in just a moment in Romans chapter seven. So how do we have victory? By exercising our new man, by being obedient, by trusting the Lord by faith and then being obedient to his word. And we will keep the old man under control. Do you see it in verse 16? It doesn't say don't fulfill the lust of the flesh and you're walking in the spirit. No, that's religion. Doesn't work. That's called just simple human willpower. But look what it does say, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, if we are occupied by walking in the spirit, being under the control of the Holy Spirit through yielded obedience to God, that's how the Holy Spirit controls us, yielded obedience to God and his word. If we are living that life, then at that time, we are not fulfilling the lust of the flesh because you can't fulfill both at the same time. So this here, God tells us how to have victory over the old man. These verses were written to believers, yet notice that they are admonished to walk in the spirit. Now, if the lust of the flesh is not there, if you're saved, then why are they told to walk in the spirit? So you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you see the desires of the flesh are still there? God doesn't deny that in his word, yet man does. God says, no, the desires are there, but I'm telling you how to overcome those desires. Number five, Paul makes it clear that the only way to not fulfill the lust of the flesh is to walk in the Spirit, as we have just seen. All right? Now turn with me to Romans chapter seven. It's our last passage. Romans chapter seven, so important that you see this. I told you earlier that we were going to do a little teeny Greek study on the two words. I already covered First John three nine. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Yes, it is present tense but it's the present tense is does not commit sin this moment a minute from now tomorrow a year from now a month from now no matter when it is why because it's talking there about god's seed it's talking about the new nature however you still have an old nature and you know what i know there are people here's another one this is what we're covering now well i sin but i don't practice sin well I've heard this. If you're really saved, you won't practice sin. Well, let me ask you this. Would you define practice? Define it. Does that mean two sins of the same in a period of time? Does that mean three? Does that mean five? I'm being sincere. I'm being sincere about this. What does that mean? You don't practice sin. Have you done the same sin twice since you've been saved? Three times? Five times? Are you in bondage to it? Where does that sin come from? It comes from the old nature. We do practice sin once we're saved. Romans chapter seven. Now I want you to understand as we come to Romans seven. In Romans chapter seven, Paul, after being saved, now many people don't realize it, think this through now. Paul, when he wrote Romans, he had been a believer for approximately 25 years. He's not a baby Christian writing. And listen, He's not writing about his life before he was saved. In Romans 7, Paul, after being saved for 25 years, expresses no confidence in his flesh. This passage is written in the present tense. So what he is about to write to us, it was true. It was there. It was even then a struggle. Save 25 years. See, the present tense represents a simple statement of fact or reality viewed as occurring in actual time. Romans 7 verse 18, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. Now look up here. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. I have a good desire, but look what he says. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. Why? Because he's looking at his old nature. He's looking at his flesh as a means, as the way, as the power to overcome the flesh. He says, I'm not finding it he states in himself in his flesh, there is no power to live victoriously. Now we learn to learn that as believers. We often acknowledge that we are saved by grace apart from works. But then from that point on, we have this idea that we can white knuckle it through the Christian life and have success. No, we can't folks. No, we can't. We are saved by grace through faith. We live the Christian life by grace through faith. Just like we put our trust in Christ to save us, we have to put our faith in Christ to strengthen us, to give us the victory over the old man. He was still having conflicts with his flesh and was still sinning. Even when he desired to do good, he would still fail. Does that sound like you and me? Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not. I don't do it. Boy, I wish more preachers would be honest about this. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not or would not do, that I do. Now you hear again, well, if you're really saved, you don't practice sin. Well, it's interesting because the word do at the end of verse 19 is the Greek word proso, which literally means by definition, practice, practice to perform repeatedly or habitually. Thus differing from poeo which is properly refers to a single act by the way that's from strong's lexicon and dictionary. See folks, we have one of the most spiritual Christians of all time stating that he unfortunately at times still practice sin. How many times I've heard over the years real Christians don't practice sin. Sin yet this is false, okay? Paul, though, being a spiritual man that he was, continued on and brought the argument to its logical conclusion. Now, this is so important. What does he do? Jump down to verse 24. He first exclaims his frustration with himself, with his sin, and with his own strength. Then he gives us the answer, and I absolutely love this, love this. Verse 24, what does he say? Now, remember, he's been saved 25 years. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Ah, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The late Dr. Arno C. Gabling, great theologian, gives clear, accurate commentary when he writes about this statement in his commentary. He says this, and I quote, he's referring to Paul. He says, he has reached the end of self. He looks now for deliverance from another source outside of himself. The answer comes at once. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Folks, if you want victory over your old nature, don't deny it's there. It is, you know it, so do I. If you want victory over your old nature, what do we do? We look to the Lord by faith, trust in him, and then obey his word. And we find strength because by his grace, he gives us to us to overcome the old nature. Is it the will of God that we as Christians live in victory over the old nature? Yes, 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 yes. It's God's will that we live a godly life as believers. But you're not saved by that. And it doesn't mean you're not saved if you struggle still with sin. It means that you're living in defeat. Okay? Now, let it be mentioned here in closing that there is no hint in Romans chapter 7 that Paul doubted his salvation. Not one time does he doubt his salvation. He doubted himself because he was looking to himself for the spiritual strength to have victory. And it wasn't there. Just like he couldn't get to heaven by himself, by his merits. He couldn't live the Christian life by his merits. It's all about Christ. Now, if so-called perseverance was true and Paul was a man in tune with God, when he sinned, shouldn't he have questioned his salvation? If, If perseverance of the saints is true, he should have questioned his salvation, but it's not true, and he understood that. Instead, he was expressing the despair he had had over his own sin as a Christian. Yet he knew he was secure in Christ. How do I know that? all you got to do is read chapter eight. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nor height, nor depth, nor this, nor that, nor any other creature, that includes me and that includes you, shall separate us from the love of Christ. I hope you see it today. I hope you see it. This is so important what we've covered today. Friend, even more important than anything else, If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your savior, would you trust in him as your savior today? You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't reform your life enough to get you to heaven. You can't do it. You have to be, remember what Jesus told Nicodemus? You have to be born again. Would you trust Christ to give you eternal life today?